Welcome everyone to our featured podcast on thought leadership with Dr. Ray McKinley. Dr. McKinley is an expert on leadership and character development. Let's join the conversation now. Hello, everyone. This is Ray McKinley. Welcome to our weekly podcast, Ride the Elephant, today. We're excited to get into a topic this week following the topic we had last week about approval and our need for approval, even to the point where we have an approval addiction. Welcome again, Brian. And what were some of your takeaways as we finished that conversation last week? Well, my takeaway was mainly that there is a chance to live a different way and maybe a more independent or self-assembled way of living. There's a way of living and behaving that you can have more input in if you stop and think about it instead of just going with the flow of what people tell you to do, what your authorities tell you to do, and what you do because of the expectations of others and because you seek the approval of others. In other words, to do what you believe is right instead of maybe what's popular is kind of a common way of expressing that. So we talked about that concept in general and kind of on an individual level, how people can make that choice between living for approval versus living authentically, right? And I'm curious how we do that. But most of all, I'm curious how a leader creates a culture or how a parent creates a household where the individuals in that household have their freedom to construct their own beliefs and values and principles. Okay. And so that's my next question about the process. All right. I think that's a great question, and I think it's something we can certainly look at here. And I think as we look at the examine life, and that's kind of what we're talking about here, you know, we can just continue to live like we always have done, or we can put purposeful intention on making some changes just by thinking about some of the things that we have found ourselves habitually doing or what we find ourselves culturally accepting, we can then say, hey, you know, maybe I'm going to give some thought to this. And this is one of the most thought-provoking conversations that I get into when I discuss these topics with people. And that's the concept of praise, praise versus affirmation. That dichotomy is very clearly delineated to me. And I want to bring some points out that maybe can have us consider that this approving praise that we're seeking from other people and that we seem to relish in may not be the best thing for us. But also, we might want to consider that maybe our constant lavishly throwing praise on our children may not be the best for them. And it may not be the best for us to continually praise our coworkers and our employees because The negative side of that that I don't think people really give much thought to. And I want to talk about that a little bit, Brian. And the first thing I want to bring up is 
you know, we talked about what is praise, and let's clarify what I mean by that. Praising is giving approval or seeking approval. So when I'm praising someone, I'm really saying to them, I approve of you, I approve of what you're doing, and I'm going to acknowledge that by praising you. So another way of saying it, when I praise a person, I'm giving them my stamp of approval. And when a person is receiving praise from somebody they care about, they're saying, I'm getting their stamp of approval. Are we really just perpetuating this relationship that depends on the approval of others and the expectations of others because based on the praise I get and the praise I don't get, I have a pretty good thermometer about where I stand in my relationships with other people and where I stand and how I'm doing in the world. You know, I think people have a good intention when it comes to praising. I think it's their attempt to build up a person. However, does it really? So I want to look at the difference between praising a person versus affirming them. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what affirming a person is and how it's different than praising. Because when I affirm someone, I'm stating that I accept them. I'm giving them unconditional acceptance. Where if I'm not affirming them and I'm praising them, I'm really giving them a stamp of approval that I've agreed to them. So affirming is different from praising because I'm accepting them and not necessarily having to approve of what they do or not approve of what they do. The biggest difference for me when I consider this is when we praise someone, we're praising them for what they're doing, for what they're achieving, their accomplishments or what they've done that we've agreed with. And when we affirm someone, we're affirming them for their being, who they are, they're being a person of character, they're being diligent, they're showing effort, they're being responsible, they're being generous, they're being grateful. When we recognize those behaviors in people, and we acknowledge the character qualities in a person, that's affirming their character. It's not specifically saying that I approve of what you're doing. Yes, when you affirm someone, it's a type of approval. I call it an appreciation, an acknowledgement of what you're recognizing, the quality character in the person versus that you've approved of what they're doing. We've talked about esteem building a lot, Brian, and I think affirming a person is esteem building and it lifts them up and makes them feel better about themselves. They have a higher level of respect for themselves when they're affirmed versus when you're just praising a person, you're really attempting to let them know that everything's okay. And I think the other thing that's so dangerous about praising and the way we use praise today We try to control our kids with praise. We try to control adults with praise. And that can be very, very debilitating and really decrease the self-confidence in a person because now the measuring stick of their performance is an evaluation by somebody else and it's going to be a praise or not praise versus the measuring stick being what I believe on the inside and that I'm being affirmed for my beliefs and my values, and my principles. So, Brian, what are your thoughts about that differentiation between praise and affirming? Well, praise is a form of approval 
vocalize towards someone who you're maybe pleased with, right? That person has met your standards and you're pleased with them. Yes. So in my mind, approval and disapproval and praise are all the same thing in different forms. And it's like the whips and the carrot metaphor. Lots of people have probably heard this metaphor before of the whip and the carrot. So you can take the farmer in the field plowing his field with a horse. And to get the horse to plow the field properly, he uses his whip to drive the horse forward or a carrot to reward the horse for doing a good job. So in life, people, especially parents of children, bosses of employees, use whips and carrots to condition their children or their employees, just like a farmer is trying to condition a horse to do a good job of plowing the field. And like, this is one approach to people. And anybody who's ever had trained an animal, like a dog, and has also had children, and as a boss, will definitely understand this concept of whips and carrots, and that those are forms of approval. The disapproval being a whip, the praise being a carrot. And so you have your children wanting to get your approval in the form of that reward, and that might be a good job or a pat on the back or an ice cream cone or just words of praise. And they want to avoid your disapproval in the form of the whips or maybe the having privileges taken away or being sent to timeout, that sort of thing. But adults are different than children and they're definitely different than horses and dogs. And adults that are respecting one another's freedom and creativity have to approach this differently because Using whips and carrots on our fellow adults is juvenile, inappropriate, manipulative, unconstructive, uncreative, and disrespectful towards that person. Independent, right? Now, you can use affirmations as praise. Lots of people do. But a real affirmation isn't a carrot like praise is. A real affirmation is more... Planting a seed of critical thinking about that person's individuated why. Our audience hopefully has heard of the book, Simon Sinek, The Golden Circle, and Start With Why. To me, the whips and the carrots of praise and disapproval are external. It's all on the surface, and it's about your human doing, like you said. An affirmation is starting a conversation with the person about their own character and planting a seed of critical thinking about why did you do that? What was your motivation? Did it come from within? Is it because you're afraid I would punish you if you didn't do that? But to go to the affirmation is to say, I saw this character quality. It didn't have anything to do with a fear of being disapproved of or being punished. And it didn't have anything to do with the reward that you might get. I saw you do something that told me, it gave me a glimpse of your being, you being a person of character, being generous, 
being available to help your grandma with a project or to help your sibling being creative when the power was out you went and made up a game outside and an affirmation isn't just hey good job you figured that out it's getting to the actual character quality behind the person's behavior yes you know when i first heard of this dichotomy between praise and affirmation from bill mcgrain some 25 30 years ago now you know, it was just fascinating to me how I found myself locked into this, what I call the praise side of the dichotomy. And he really hit home when he said, praising a child is like giving them verbal M&Ms. And the child receives verbal M&Ms when they meet the approval of their parents. The problem is what happens when the children becomes an adult. And that's the problem. When they're still looking for the verbal M&Ms as an adult, which many adults do, it can be a very lonely, empty place. And you're not taking charge of your esteem. You're not taking charge of the level of respect you have for yourself. If the level of respect you have for yourself depends on somebody else giving you approval or giving you praise, that's going to be a lonely life and a very unfulfilled life. So for me, I think what I'm looking at is affirmations builds the esteem, the level of respect that a person has for themselves. When you're talking about catching somebody in a behavior, in a character quality that you sit there and say, hmm, of all the choices that that child could have made right now or that adult could have made right now, they chose to do this. And when you sense a feeling of respect for that person as a result of what you observe, it's now easy to go and affirm that person and let them know the level of respect you have for them. Separating that and making that different from saying, I'm so proud of you. You just did a great job. To me, the I'm so proud of you is really harmful to the esteem of people as they get older. Yes, as a child, a child will lap up the praise, lap up the I'm so proud of you. However, do you really want your child to be lapping up the praise of I'm so proud of you when they're in high school and then go off to college and go into an adult life? I mean, that's a, certainly a decision that all of us can have. And many of us habitually stay in this praise side of the dichotomy because people seek it and people want to present it. And the people that want to present praise are the people that like to get it themselves. So when you like to get praise and pat on the back for things, you have a tendency to praise and pat people on the back. So it becomes this perpetual cycle that just doesn't seem to break its pattern. And I found after hearing this from Bill McGrain, it took me years to break that cycle of changing that. But the dynamic of changing that really changed my culture. When I started to communicate in my office to the staff and to the patients, character qualities that I wanted to affirm them for that I saw in them, who they were being, not what they were doing, not the decisions they made, not the achievements they made, not patting them on the back because, wow, that's really great. I'm so proud of you. There was a time when I did that. But now it's important to me that I acknowledge something in their being that I recognize and point that out to them. And as a result, the person is lifted up with that experience. Again, we're really looking at examining our life to improve the relationships that we have with other people. And that's really what we're talking about here. What can we do individually to improve our relationships with people? And one of those things is maybe back off a little bit on the praise 
and go a little bit more to the, the character qualities that you recognize in a person. And for the parent who's caught in this mischief, if you find yourself saying, I'm proud of you, then say, oh, I did it again. Or you're thinking about saying, I'm proud of you. If you do happen to say it, make sure you don't end it there. Make sure you say something in addition to that, because that'll move the needle from a place of just giving your stamp of approval. You can catch yourself saying this. I'm so proud of you. How did you feel about that? And then you'll find yourself when somebody does something great, you'll just skip the I am proud of you and say, how do you feel about that? Because it's more important you pull out of them what they got out of it. And they say, well, you know, I got this, I learned this, and I learned that. And whatever they say, you then affirm them for their awareness, their learning, their aha. And that makes it an esteem-building experience for them because now you're asking them how do they feel about it versus throwing on your feelings about it. You can still do that. I get it. I think we still want to say, boy, it's really exciting. I really thought it was wonderful. How did you feel about it? And I think that's an important transition process or a way to break this pattern of just saying, I'm so proud of you and just leaving it hang there. How do you feel about that add-on of a affirmation to when you catch yourself saying, I'm so proud of you? Well, yeah, and I think that this gets to your point about praise is not bad or wrong. It's just a shallow approach, if you will. Yes. And so to take that extra critical thinking step of getting to the character behind the behavior, which is what an affirmation is, is just a deeper examination of why that person is doing what they're doing. And there's nothing wrong with praise then. It's just that you could always go deeper. So consider it an option to go deeper. And just remember that some people are praise junkies. And they are motivated by and almost manipulated by the praise and approval of others. I mean, if you find yourself getting disapproval from the popular people, and that's really hurting you, then you're living for someone else's viewpoint of you. You're living and choosing what you choose because you're hoping to get praise and approval from someone. And that is an unhealthy desire to be a people pleaser and to just do things just to make other people happy is exhausting. It's never visiting your own authentic needs and visions and dreams. And when you find someone affirming you, suddenly it's not about them anymore. It's about you. Likewise, when you affirm someone, you're not making their behavior about your pride or your approval. You're making it about them and the deep inward qualities from where that behavior came. To make it about them suddenly starts giving them a new language, and a new internal dialogue in their head, where any time they have a moment of glory, but there's no one there to approve or praise them for it, they have a language inside their head to start saying, well, I did it. Nobody was here to see it, but... 
I did it for my own reasons, so it doesn't matter. And that came from the character quality of this and that. When you affirm people, you're starting to give them words and a language to look within and say, I do this because to me, I like exercising these qualities about myself and it has nothing to do with the praise of my parents or the approval of my coach. And to get the people around you to start viewing things in the light of character is just a different approach. Yes. You know, Brian, I have had a real challenge over the years as an educator in teaching students and parents and educators about this damaging effect of praise. And the first 10 years that I was pulling this sled through the swamp of trying to get people to understand it, there was so much resistance, so much rejection. And I just felt I was the lone ranger trying to convince them of maybe examining what they're doing and changing their culture. And I felt like it was Bill McGrain and myself that were trying to fight this battle. And then I became aware of a study being done by Carol Dweck. Carol Dweck is a Stanford psychology professor that's gotten to be fairly well known in educational circles lately. So about eight or nine years ago, she started talking about the perils and the promise of praise. And Carol Dweck wrote an article on praising for effort, not intelligence. And I want to read a couple things, and I want you to listen carefully to these, and then we'll talk about them. She began in this article by saying, many educators and parents believe that commending children for being smart will increase their self-confidence and help them enjoy learning. Not true. And that's how she started the article. She said, praising students' intelligence gives them a short burst of pride, followed by a long string of negative consequences. This kind of praise pushes the child into the innate, intelligent mindset. Praising students for intelligence makes them more fearful of messing up, less willing to work hard to learn new skills, less adventurous with difficult challenges, more prone to cheat and give up, or less confident in their ability to be successful. Wow, that's a pretty scathing report on praising for intelligence. Now, to understand that, let's talk about what she says. We want to shift from praising for intelligence to praising for effort. By contrast, commending students for their effort produces engagement, perseverance, strategies for improvement, it fosters in children motivation, increased effort, willingness to take on new challenges, greater self-confidence, and higher levels of success. Isn't it interesting? The process of praise, which I would call affirmation, so affirmations keep students focused not on something called ability that they may or may not have and that they magically create success or failure, but on processes they can all emerge and learn from. So what are your thoughts about Dweck's comments here about splitting this dichotomy of praising for intelligence versus praising for efforts? <laughs> well, I'm just imagining the science behind this where you have a teacher that says to Bonnie, very good, Bonnie, you're smart. 
And then she says to Billy, you know, very good. And then she says to Bonnie, good answer. You're very smart. And then, you know, as she's just labeling with a praise, Bonnie is smart and Billy, maybe not so much. And that just labeling the kids with, we give you praise because we approve of you, because you got the right answer. And to you, we give no praise because you didn't get the right answer. Versus saying to Bonnie, very good, right answer. How did you get to that answer? Or making an affirmation and then saying, oh, no, Billy, you did not get the right answer. But what were you thinking? How did you get to the answer? You can already start to see how that removes a layer of apathy. Instead of just being labeled, well, I guess I'm not the smart one like Bonnie, Billy starts to say, well, I didn't get the answer right, but my thinking is valid. See, the teacher asking Billy, how did you think of that? Then that validates something about Billy. Before, he had no validation. It was just wrong answer, no praise for you. But to ask Billy, what was the process? That Mm -hmm. validates something about Billy, which is that he can think. And so then to go deeper and to validate something about them, like the effort or the process that they went through, encourages them to just keep going through the process. And then someday you might get the right answer. And it has nothing to do with these smart is it has such an inborn connotation, right? Like you're either smart or you're not, but everybody is capable of making effort to learn. So it makes sense to me. And I can just imagine this in a classroom setting. Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, what she goes on to say regarding about a classroom setting, she says, adolescents often see school as a place where they perform for the teachers who then judge them. Yeah. Yeah. The growth mindset changes that perspective and makes school a place where students vigorously engage in learning for their own benefit. Our research shows that educators cannot hand students confidence on a silver platter by praising their intelligence. Instead, we can help them gain the tools they need to maintain their confidence in learning by keeping them focused on the process of achievement. That's a pretty strong conclusion to this article. Pretty solid. What is the title of that article? Can you spell that author's last name? Yes, Carol Dweck. Dweck is D-W-E-C-K. And she initially published it under the title called The Perils in Promise of Praise. And then she just followed up republishing it under the title Praising for Efforts, Not Intelligence. Very cool. Very interesting. Yeah, she's been a forerunner in this. You know, I think like Bill McGrain, she had the sense of the damage and effects of praise, but then she found a way to quantify it as a researcher at Stanford and through some testing that she did and some samplings that she did. And it was just amazing. Some of the video I've seen of her work is quite incredible to see the transition that takes place in a child that lifts the child up as they acknowledge them for their effort. And the child realizes that he's being affirmed for his effort. So in that, they make more effort. And then through more effort comes more learning. What happens in the other sample group that she ran through, they kept telling the students how smart they were. You're so smart. And the students would kind of repeat, I'm so smart. I'm so smart. 
However, when they didn't perform as well on the test, the same test that the other group got, they became disheartened. And then one of the golden questions was, in a follow-up, they asked the one group, now, would you want to do this again? Would you like the test questions to be easier? Or do you like them to be the same or like them to be harder? And she says, well, I want them to be easier because I want to be seen as being smart. And the other group who was being affirmed for their effort, when they were asked those three questions, they said, I want to have harder questions because with harder questions, that's how I'm going to learn. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Just those two examples of what we plant in the student's mind and how it changes their perspective. Are they looking for approval? Are they looking to be told how smart they are? And they want that. So they're asking for the easier way so they can continue to look smart. Where the person that's being affirmed for their effort is looking for the harder way because they're being affirmed for their taking on the challenge. So you're saying that praise creates an attachment to praise, which creates a fear, a fear that if I don't get praise, I'm not good enough. Whereas affirmation and the focus on the effort builds confidence. Yes. It changes and the perspective of, well, I might be a little afraid, but I'm going to make an effort anyway, because if I look stupid, that's fine. If I succeed, great. That's what I'm after. But there's no fear because you have a confidence. So instead of yeah. worrying, am I going to get the praise? You know, oh, this one's going to be hard. I might not get praised because I might get the wrong answer. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're confident, you don't care about getting the wrong answer necessarily because you're not attached to the praise. So you're not afraid of being praised or not praised. For sure. And this isn't just me saying that, Brian, and it isn't just you coming to that awareness. It's what Carol Dweck was saying, and she says this praising for intelligence makes kids more fearful of messing up, which is really a problem. It's amazing to me. This work by Carol Dweck has gone international, and she was instrumental in creating a parallel study out of China and how education has a different culture in China than it does in the U.S. And there's another great article, The Effects of Ability and Effort Praise on Children's Failure, Attribution to Self-Handicapping and Performance. And this was authored by Shufen Zing, that's S-H-U-F-E-N-X-I-N-G. And he found equally the same effect of praise on children in China and praising them for their achievement versus praising them for their effort was significant in China as it was here in the U.S. So there's been a lot of studies on this. And what's interesting is, is that we haven't really caught up with some of the studies out there on the damaging effects of praise and how we really are contributing to a less effective educational process, less effective cultural management process in businesses, and less effectiveness in raising our children to be young kids that are more self-directed instead of just looking for the praise of their parents and friends and teachers. So to me, we can do a lot to change that in our children by just being aware of the difference between praising and affirmation. 
So Brian, what other thoughts do you have about that as we think about this concept? I think about all the young men out there, myself included, who struggle. And I think there's a pandemic of fear and despair. And I mean, I don't want to go on a tangent here, but I just imagine with just a couple of teachers that I had, the struggle in schools across America for a few generations now, girls are taught that they are perfect little angels and boys are taught that they are a distraction and not good enough. And unless young men can find success in extracurricular activities, they really struggle academically otherwise. And you wonder the connection between those classroom experiences of watching Bonnie get the praise while Billy got no praise and how that has affected the modern man and his approach to work and life and responsibility and his own attitude about himself and how much esteem he has for himself. That's a whole other conversation, I think, related to this. Sure. Yeah, the modern man needs to take a look at this and say, okay, I can't go back and put myself back in the womb and do a start over again. I can't go back to elementary school and do a start over again. I can't go back to high school and college. Basically, we have to recognize that this has been a pitfall in our educational process and a pitfall of us culturally, how the need for praise and the need for approval was so much a part of our growing up. And frankly, you're right. I think many would observe that one gender got more praise and more approval than the other gender. However, if you're in a situation as a young man that felt that you observed this, just like you said, you have a choice now to do something different. And that's to recognize what played out in your personal history and say, all right, I get it. I see what was happening here. Now I need to make a new decision about this. And you have the ability now to correct that through examining the situation and say, oh, what can I do now to change the paradigm that I used to have and the one I want to have? And to that point, how does one affirm themselves? Can you affirm yourself? Ah, great question. Yes. This is how I did it. It was very difficult to affirm myself because I didn't believe it. But when I started to affirm other people, when I started to look on purpose, with intention, to find something that I could acknowledge another person for. First of all, recognize it. Then that I recognized it, acknowledged it. And then after acknowledging it, I wanted to point it out. And I pointed it out in the form of an affirmation to that person. When I started to do that, I call an affirmation a gift. When I start giving that gift away, guess what happened? I started to feel more empowered. I started to feel more self-respect. I started to feel better about myself. In addition to that, the bonus was when I started to give it away, guess what happened to me? People were returning the gift to me because they began to recognize a quality in me that they wanted to acknowledge and affirm me for. So, We talk about improving our relationships with other people and how we rely on other people for these relationships today. We need to develop those relationships in our world today instead of lamenting the ones that we didn't have in the past 
with some really bad teachers and really say, okay, I can continue to lament the bad teacher experiences I've had in my life, or I can begin to be a good teacher, a teacher that lifts other people up, a teacher that affirms other people. And in doing so, it'll reciprocate and come full circle because you're making a difference. You're creating a culture of change. So to me, that's the first step I would do. And I would recommend that you do. How does that feel to you? Is that something you could take on as a precept or as an intention? And what do you think that would do for the young adult men that are referring to? How would that help them transition this awareness? Well, it seems like it would create some neuro pathways for better conversations with yourself or better quality thinking about yourself because it's like muscle memory. And the more you create that pathway in your mind to go to character and affirmation and to see that in others, more likely that you're going to see your own qualities. And I mean, anybody could sit down right now and lift dependability, loyalty, sincerity, generosity, compassion, patience, gentleness, punctuality, diligence. You can just list those off and say, all right, whenever I see these, I'm going to lay it up. Whenever I see someone who's got one of these qualities, I've got the list right here in my mind. I wrote it down. I visualized all these words. If I see someone being diligent, I'm going to tell them. So pick one of those character qualities. Give me an example of how you would affirm someone. All right, I'm going to let you ask me that question in just a minute. But I have to do this first. Brian, you mentioned muscle memory, and you mentioned making the connection in the brain. Let me give you the last quote Carol Dweck put in this article. The brain is like a muscle. The more they exercise it, the stronger it becomes. They learn that every time they try hard and learn something new, their brain forms new connections that over time make them more aware. So Carol Dweck also agrees with your intuition, what you said earlier. It is a muscle, it can be trained, it can be changed, and doing that is the action that needs to take place. So let's go back and answer your question, Brian. What was your question again? Well, it seems to me to exercise that muscle and get your brain to follow the path of affirmation that you might prep by listing character qualities that you admire that are objective qualities like compassion and generosity. So those words are like a gift wrap package that you can literally hand to someone in the form of a verbal exchange where you say to a server at a restaurant, for example, say, you know what? I see you in here. I really want to tell you how much I admire your dependability. The way that you're in here on a regular basis, you obviously care about your job. I see you remembering what people ordered. I see you being punctual and being on time with the orders. And I just wanted to let you know that I appreciate it. And it brightens my day to see you being so dependable because we can count on you and the other staff here can count on you. And it just makes our lives better by you being a dependable person. I guess I just answered my own question by giving an example of how to affirm a server at a restaurant. Yeah. (laughs) And we have the ability to do that by just thinking about it and putting ourselves in a different place. It's like Carol Dweck says, 
It's having a different mindset. And when you can set your mind, just like you set your mind going into that relationship in the restaurant, you were able to say different things because your mindset was different. And that's the key in this. So catching someone doing something or being a certain way and appreciating that is then easy to then jump into what you appreciate about that, which is what you just did. You know, you mentioned compassion. My daughter, Brittany, is a very compassionate person. And I've observed her be very compassionate as a dentist. And I've said to her this, did you notice the difference that the look on that person's face after they were done and you said what you said to them about thank you for being so attentive to your care. I really appreciate the effort you've made. I know this has been a difficult thing for you to go through. I just want to tell you how much I appreciate and what a pleasure it was to work on you and get through this process. And you just lift up the person's feeling about themselves when you can say something like that to them. There's so many ways that we can do that. I mean, I think of the story again, when you were talking about your son's generosity, you use that word. He even said, well, what does that mean, daddy? And you explained to him what generosity was. And he couldn't wipe the smile off his face that you acknowledged his generosity. And then you were able to explain what that was and what that looked like. And I think that changes the culture. It changes our relationships. It certainly changes our educational process. It certainly changes the way we parent. And it certainly changes the way we run our businesses by acknowledging the being in others instead of just pointing out and responding to what they're doing. Any final thoughts that you have on this discussion, Brian? Yeah, this is one of those things that you might have to force it a little bit at first, it seems. But with just a little bit of pre-preparation to think of qualities to look for in people and then to affirm them, and then to start noticing those qualities in yourself and not being shy about affirming yourself for your own goodness. It's a big step in the right direction because it seems that so many people go out into the world looking to criticize, looking to complain, looking to discover the bad guy and call him out and make him feel ashamed instead of saying, you know, I want to give people gifts today. I want to give people the present of an affirmation and noticing their character qualities. It just seems like the world would be a better place if we could shift our focus, like you're saying, to affirmation and the deeper behaviors. And again, to the praise thing, I don't think that praise is bad, just like I don't think a little bit of candy is bad. But it's kind of a it's not going to fill someone's appetite for validation because people are deeper and more complex than that. Well, it gives you an opportunity to clearly define the dichotomy that you're intending to define. When you give a little bit of praise and say, I'm so proud of you, and then you catch yourself and say, okay, I see what I just did here. I said, I'm proud of him. That man, I gave him my stamp of approval. Yeah. And when you see yourself doing that, say, all right, I did that. That's okay. Don't beat yourself up for it. Now go to something about them as a person, who they are being that caused that behavior to come out in the first place, and then acknowledge that. When you acknowledge that, that's the affirmation part. There's the praise part and the affirmation part. Yes, the praise part is not a bad thing, but the better you get at giving affirmations, 
you'll forget the I'm proud of you and the praise part altogether. So with that, Brian, I think those are great exercises to practice on. And I think, like we say, try it on and watch what happens. You may be surprised the effect it has in your relationships and the effect it has on your children, your coworkers, and your friends. So go for it and see how it works out. Thank you, Brian, for joining us. It's been a great discussion. And everyone else, thank you for joining us today. And join us next week for another episode of Riding the Elephant Today. Have a great week. Dr. Ray McKinley is a speaker, author, and coach. In his new book, Ride the Elephant, The Journey to True Success, Dr. McKinley addresses the crisis in personal leadership and what you can do about it. Thank you for joining us today. Your feedback is important to us, and we'd like to hear from you. Email your comments and questions to ray at raymckinley.com. Join us next week for another informative podcast with Dr. Ray McKinley. Have a great week.